Rant and Rave is brought to you by Andrews Technology Group. Make sure you hit them up at A-N-D-R-E-W-S Technology Group dot com. DJs, promoters, small business owners, get your technology and website needs met. Hey, Soka lovers, it's Soka Say So. And this chick. And we're back. Episode three of the special limited series. We are so excited. We have a collection of interviews from people around the world to get their perspectives on the Black Lives Matter movement. In this episode, we are talking to Lisa Matos, who is a dual Portuguese and American citizen based in Portugal, telling us what she sees happening and all the work she's been doing to promote human rights. We hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, Soka lovers, I am here with Lisa Matos, who is based in Portugal and has a career of working with refugees and fighting for human rights. And she is a dual Portuguese American citizen who has seen what is happening in Portugal in regards to Black Lives Matter, but also in terms of just human rights in general. And Lisa, I am really glad you are able to join this podcast. We really need some global perspectives because we are seeing the protests happening all over. And I think just recently in Lisbon, there were 5,000 people in the streets marching in support of Black Lives Matter movement. So first, let's get into what you have been doing, your career, how you've been working with people for human rights and just understanding, you know, the traumas and things that people are facing on a global scale. What's your history been like? Hey, Diana. Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, so, um, so I've been, I've had my career has been, as you mentioned, uh, working with um, refugees and survivors of torture, mostly in the U.S. I was based in New York, uh, where we met um, 16 years ago, I think. Oh, we're not counting. Yeah, no, <laughs> way more than that. I don't know. No. So five years ago, <laughs> five years ago yes, <laughs> when we were children. <laughs> and um, and it's, yeah, I'm, I'm white European um, from Southern uh, Europe. Um, and my, obviously, I've been following uh, what's, what's going on in the U.S. Um, and I think I, I've had this... Um, the trauma, as you mentioned, um, I've had a privileged, um, uh, I guess, front seat to how we as um, white people from even from other countries who have been, uh, who consume, um, who are exposed to uh, pop culture, uh, American pop culture movies and the portrayal of the society that we're used to. Um, when I first arrived in the U.S., I remember that one of the first conversations about race was um, our good friend Aaliyah, um, mm -hmm. the writing center. Um, she was telling me what she, the conversation that she had recently had with her young sons about what to do uh, if they were stopped by the police, how to handle the situation, etc. And I thought it was crazy what she was describing, completely exaggerated, out of proportion, um, because, you know, I grew up um, believing that um, the police are here to help. Um, you know, there are all these, um, I grew up uh, 
watching movies and cop shows in the U.S. where, you know, things are sanitized and, and everything um, appears fair, etc. So that whole conversation was, you know, this was maybe back in 2001 or 2002. Um, and it was, it stayed with me because it just felt unreal. It couldn't be true. Um, so when, when I look back at that experience and, and when I hear now that I'm back in Portugal, when I hear friends um, asking for, um, and even American friends uh, asking for the rest of the story. So people want to know, no, no, something must have happened for mm -hmm. the police to act that way. I always go back to that moment. So the conversations that I've been having are, I understand what you're saying because in my world, it's I do, I, it, it, that, that, that possibility does not exist. I know that if I go to an officer, they will help. They will be, I cannot imagine being stopped over uh, 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 a broken uh, taillight. I cannot, and, and, and being and a whole situation evolving from there. I cannot imagine that. So that whole, so when there's an extreme situation or someone gets killed, the question is, okay, something else must have happened because in my world, there's, that doesn't exist. That it's not possible. Mm. So that level, so I'm, first I was a little, um, at first I was a little reactive to how people wanted angry, almost like, why do you need more? Like, this is it. This is what happened. Uh, so I try to, my ability and what I've learned from my career is like this ability to empathize and to listen to different perspectives, uh, especially when, because I work with people from, from all countries in the world and from different, different cultures, what you learn immediately is you need to learn how to listen. So listen to the other person's experience and listen in, I think it's useful in this debate over Black Lives Matter, um, to listen to, to the questions of others who uh, are not racist or do not consider themselves racist. Like I, I, I grew up to believing that we're all equal. Uh, we don't have the, the black communities in Portugal are very small. Um, so I, this was in, to learn that in fact, the system was that we're, uh, raised in the history we've learned is at our own image um, takes time. Mm -hmm. So um, if I try to give room for people who, who mean well to actually ask these questions rather than being angry and, and being dismissive of the questions, because I know that if I hadn't been in the U.S. and I hadn't seen, uh, you know, I, you know, have I have one black friend. <laughs> okay, you need to cut this up. <laughs> I tend to make jokes, my friends. So because I have black friends and I had black boyfriends and suddenly I had to start considering a whole set of circumstances that were not part of my world. Mm -hmm. So seeing that firsthand also informed how I feel that we as um agents in this fight can be, which is we have, I, I believe that we need to give a voice to, uh, to give room for black voices to rise, but also to be agents in our places of work and in our social relationships, uh, et cetera, to help inform others. 
Uh, That's a really good point. Yeah. To be able to inform people. Now, of course, we are friends in a real life, but we're Mm -hmm. also friends on Facebook. And I've seen you, you know, in your comments when someone says something out of place or out of line, you you go to them and you you say to them like that doesn't make any sense. This doesn't this isn't right. What you're saying is coming from a place of privilege um, and really trying to get them to understand why what they're saying is incorrect and hurtful. And I do know some other white people who don't do that. They don't want to offend offend their friends. And so they just let it go like, well, he didn't mean that or she, you know, she she also has black friends. And so mm-hmm. yes. can possibly be racist. And so I do think and I commend you and I hope more people do it. But I do think there is a need for white people within the white circles and within those conversations where a black person is not present, that you still represent the all lives as they unfortunately keep trying to say Mm -hmm. um, that all lives are important all lives matter but specifically black people are under attack globally and black lives do matter and we have to you have to have these conversations even when black people aren't present yes and and i think that's especially so as you as you you started um by referring that we had um there were there was a, a large protest in lisbon um uh on saturday so 10 days ago um, but there were also protests across other cities in um, in Portugal, and it was the number of people um, that came together was really astounding. Um, I, I I don't think that the general reaction was that uh, even the the organizers didn't anticipate that that many people joined. Um, and which what I find really interesting is um, we so the the situation. In Portugal, as, as I said, the black uh, communities are, are very small minorities. Uh, and so it's not, the situation is not comparable. Mm-hmm. There is racism, of course. Uh, but it's it's hidden to the point where, uh, I, was, I was listening to a podcast this morning, um, and I was reminded of a fact that in Portugal, we do not, um, the census does not collect data on race and ethnicity. And this is problematic because uh, then we can't cross socioeconomic and educational indicators with race and ethnicity. So we do not know how structural racism and systematic racism actually affects the lives of people. So this debate in Portugal needs that information because we don't know the numbers. We can't. It's hard. um so um, I was uh, over the weekend, um, over lunch, we were talking about um, uh, the lack of access that the black communities have. And for example, I work, um, I, I work at a research center at a university in Lisbon. And I, I think there are two black people that I know of that work in the whole building. One is a, wow. works, is a cleaner and the other one is a front desk. Um, worker um, and we don't know where access but, but we don't know the line like where where does it break why aren't people accessing uh, the, the higher positions um, and uh, well, over lunch on Sunday the, um, someone was saying well but the, um, uh, Portugal had colonies we had a history of a dictatorship that ended in 1974 uh, so decolonization happened around 75 
and we had a lot of people who came from former colonies. So that, that history is still very recent. I know people, maybe people need time to actually access these positions. That's true. But again, we, because we're not, and this is not my field of expertise, and I have to apologize if I make, um, uh, have some technical uh, mistakes. I, make, I may make some technical uh, mistakes or imprecisions. Uh, but the fact is we, we don't know how racism, racism actually affects uh, the Afro-Portuguese um, here uh, and the other immigrant communities. Um, besides some reports um, every now and then of, of uh, police brutality, um, not to the point where uh, what happens in the U.S., which I think is, is, is shocking um, for a lot of reasons, obviously, but it's the level of the, 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 um, the gear. So I think the guns and the, that whole uh, uh, image, which we don't, fortunately, don't have here. Uh, so we have parallels. I think the conversation is important. It helps us think. Um, but for a long time, it has been where we can see what's wrong in the U.S., but it's a U.S. problem. We don't have that here. Mm. And suddenly, this past weekend, uh, we, there were, uh, uh, on Friday, I think it was, uh, the, a couple of the um, refugee centers um, had their balls outside uh, um, tagged with lines like death to black, death to blacks, death to Arabs, Europe for the whites, or wow. Europe for Europeans. And it's such a wake-up call. Um, so uh, there's another point uh, that I, I'm not, I, I can't speak eloquently about, but it's as concerning, which is this argument that you shouldn't be protesting this way because uh, that will give room for the extremists to do uh, to counteract. Mm -hmm. So the extreme right, we have a, a Portugal doesn't have a big presence, but we have a, a, a small um, political party that is gaining some ground. Um, and it's so it's always it always brings me back to okay, you, you're telling us. So for example meet the women. You're telling us how to protest. You don't listen when we're telling you. And when you're finally listening, you're still saying, mm, you should do it. You shouldn't do it this way. Mm -hmm. And that, how do you find that balance? Um, I think is what we're struggling with here in Portugal right now. Yeah. It's, okay. Taking from the example in, in us, trying to look a little bit at what's going on here uh, and not being accused all the time of, oh, you shouldn't be doing that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's right? always people trying to tell you the right and wrong way to protest, but it's gaining traction, right? Right, Being yes. Globally, what do you think is the reason that, I mean, obviously George Floyd's death, unfortunately, was not the first time we have video evidence of a Black man being killed by the police. What do you think is the, the biggest contributor to this global uprising? Hmm. I don't know. Um, but I think people want to, I, I think it's not the first video, uh, but I, also in the U.S., it's the size of the protests and possibly the fact that it's at a time of a global pandemic that it just 
you know, brings like, okay, all these people are, the, are going outside uh, when they shouldn't because there's something else that is, that is going on. So this is a serious uh, issue. Um, and I think we want to, his death was so, I didn't see the video. As you, I mean, mm-hmm. If you recently were on um, like, how many videos do you, you need to see too? Right. Uh, so, but the brutality of it and the time and that the, the pleas and all of these things that we know happen because we saw it or because we read about it, uh, are so cruel that I think there was no excuse. There's no, so there's no you need to tell me the rest of the story because there's no, there's no, there's no, never the rest of the story. But in this case, it's just so clear. And I think people want to be, wanted really to be part of it and be supportive of, of, uh, of our friends in U.S. or like this culture that we feel that we know intimately because we're exposed to it through the movies, etc. Um, but again, as I, I, I think, uh, a lot of the protests, especially here in Portugal, have been, okay, where we can see why Black Lives Matter in this case, but this is U.S. problem. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because my friends here in Portugal and around the world who've been, who lived in the U.S. are much more flexible um, and open to um, the other side of the argument, I think. And that's what I was trying to explain to my family was, I don't know uh, enough about this in Portugal, but I've been following this discussion about the, the Confederate um, statues in the U.S. for a long time. So, and there are clear people. So, King Leopold in Belgium, uh, whose book or book one of his the, the books about his horrible track record, I had read a few years ago. So, there are clear there are people who are. Uh, represented in our towns across Europe, you know, across Portugal, that that are obvious uh, symbols of cruelty and torture and slavery, etc. And so, I think the conversation here in Portugal will likely be more about we are at a time where we need to be able to revisit history. And mm-hmm. so, there, I was, I was. And I had someone tell me, well, I don't feel that I have to try to listen to the other side. It's just wrong to, uh, to vandalize a statue. And I was like, so by, just by saying I don't feel that I have to try to listen speaks of our privilege. And that's what I want to keep reminding us. So the conversation is still, okay, let's go back two steps, right? We need to recognize our privilege. If we don't have to question it, it's because it's been working for us. So what's the problem of listening to a different opinion? You know, um, I remember when I went, when I went to the U.S., I, I, one of the, for grad school, we were, uh, we had a course and we we're talking about uh, Second World History, uh, Second World War, and um, I had a Japanese and a German uh, colleague, uh, a Japanese, uh, uh, I had Japanese and German colleagues in my class. And they had, you know, slightly different versions of the war, <laughs> which makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because they come from different parts of the world. So what's the problem of trying to give room for other voices? Let's listen. Let's see if this is how we want to keep telling history to our kids, how we keep wanting to have it taught mm-hmm. in schools. And so what are you hoping now? I mean, obviously, like you said, Portugal has a smaller population of black people 
mm-hmm. there are definitely, you know, different communities within Puerto, different ethnicities. What are you hoping will happen as far as legislation or just government or policing? What are you hoping will happen as a result of this global uprising? Well, in terms of legislation, Portugal has, um, we're at the forefront of all uh, equality, equity, um, in various issues. So the problem is how we implement uh, that legislation. So um, that's not, and that's not a field that I can can, uh, speak much more uh, about. But I think, again, I think we're, we're a little behind in the conversation. And um, I, in my circles, I think it's the, it's the space to listen uh, and the space to bring other voices and really reflect, like, do we have who in our, who in our circles of, of friends and um, uh, professional circles do we have that are people of color, uh, minorities? Uh, people who are we bring, giving room for those people to to speak? So I keep working with with uh, with refugee communities, with immigrant communities. So I'm fortunate in that I have um, that room. Uh, but I think again, uh, it's we're still, as I said, two steps behind, and it's in making in letting these conversations happen, and namely about privilege. I think uh, because that's really the first step. So that we can look at everything else. Hmm. That's a really good. Well, yeah, yeah, and, and let me just add. And yes, police uh, police brutality. Uh, Portugal has um, Amnesty's interna- Amnesty International's uh, annual reports. Uh, in Portugal, they always talk about uh, uh, police police issues, uh, and uh, that's that's a clear. And we just recently had a, an Im- immigrant who was tortured. And killed at the airport by uh, immigration agents. Wow. Uh, yes, uh, and we uh, the description that we had access to with the public uh, seemed to uh, 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 gave credence to the suspicion that we uh, that this is rather common practice. Wow. Uh, the the issue is that this one died, so we know about this but there's a lot of, it seems to to be there there seems to be cover-up um about some of these practices um and we there's a clear path for improvement there um so in terms of how we treat uh, immigrants and communities of, of color or police treats communities of colors of color um that was really shocking yeah i always feel that no we don't have that here and of course we do and I think that's what's happening to a lot of people right now. You know, we're calling it the, the wake up, right? People are waking up yeah. to seeing what's going on. Of course, as a black person, we're like, we've been trying to tell y'all. Um, <laughs> I do think, you know, as much as COVID-19 is terrible, lots of lives lost, it has caused people to shift their behavior and focus on things. And now they're going to social media for their news. They're not just going to social media to, you know, say hi to people and just kind of entertain them. Um, yep. And so when you see something like this and it resonates and it gets steam and it gets traction and there's hashtags and there's protests and there's movement, I think the fact that everybody has been quarantined and been inside says that 
you know, now you can actually focus on what's going on and really pay attention to communities that are not necessarily your own or things that don't necessarily affect you on a day-to-day basis. And I'm really, I have to say, because I'm going to, I'm going to stop it here. Uh, I have to say, Mm -hmm. I really do respect everything you've been doing. You've been posting, you've been showing your commitment to really understanding what's going on. The fact that you say that you are learning empathy and learning to listen I think that's a skill and a talent that a lot of people need. A lot of people come with their bias on all sides. A lot of people come with their bias and they listen through a filter. I'm going to take in what I want to take in and I'm going to throw away the rest. So I look forward to what you are doing and getting your PhD, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I have that to do. (laughs) Yes. And learning how to just kind of wake people up like on a consistent basis. So just before I close this out, what is next for you? What do you want people to know if they want to get involved in anything you're working on? How can they do that? Now's the time to just kind of give them the information. Well, um, specifically um, regarding these communities that have had also some visibility uh, here in Portugal, the refugee communities, it's really uh, uh, Portugal, as I mentioned earlier, is not that we don't consider ourselves a, a, a racist country despite some some idiotic behaviors every now and then. But I find that people, when they uh, have access to their neighbors and have the openness to listen, they just treat them like their own. So it's really, here in Portugal, look at those in your communities that... Uh, speak a different language, that uh, cook different foods, and try to uh, to reach out and be a community together and not be afraid of the other and so that we can break these barriers of us versus them. Um, so that's my immediate um, appeal. Nice. I love it. Well, thank you for joining the podcast. Thank you for dropping some serious gems and knowledge for our listeners. Uh, <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. It's important that we, we have these conversations and that we're not afraid to have them because, yes, you may talk to people and you may say things that are offensive, but the only way we're going to learn is to really listen and understand and communicate with open ears, fully open. So yes. thank you so much, Lisa Matos, for joining me on this podcast. I look forward to seeing everything else you are going to do. We're going to put any links or anything you want people to contribute to, donate to, or know about. We're going to put it in the show notes. Um, But it was great to have you on this. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Wow. I like that. That was a really good to hear perspective of someone in Portugal. And I really have to applaud her for listening to her friends and being a really good uh, advocate for people who are not like her. Absolutely. You know, she, like she said, she works a lot with human rights. Um, she deals with refugees and the atrocities and traumas that they face. And so she is very sensitive to these issues. And you would think somebody like that would, would come out and be on their soapbox, right? Like I see this every day. I know what I'm talking about. And Mm -hmm. she says the only thing she needs to do right now is really listen and be empathetic. And that is so critical, especially when 
people come with their biases, you know, and they, they want to tell you how to protest. They want to tell you what you should be doing, what you should be upset about, what to boycott, things like that. And she's just like, I'm taking it in and I'm listening. Yeah. And it seems like she's going out to research and she's going out to, to talk to people and to get perspectives and not just, Hey, Give me, the, give me the snapshot. Tell me everything I need to know. Right. She, really, she's putting in the work. So kudos to her on that. Absolutely. I'm so glad we got to record that. That was a great episode. She's been a friend for a while and she's always been very just, I mean, I've taken her to soca parties. She's taken me to her parties and it's just great to share those cultural experiences and, and being really sensitive to the fact that, you know, you're the outsider and you get to participate and learn about somebody else's culture without, you know, trying to take it over or appropriate it or <laughs> mm-hmm. impose, uh, just to be respectful of each other's experiences and cultures is so great. I'm, I'm thrilled. I love that. Yeah. And that definitely makes me think about what I want to rave to because I want to rave. Can I rave? I feel like you can rave. <laughs> <laughs> Can I, I stop you from raising? <laughs> no, definitely not. I think that she made me think a lot about friendships that I have in my life and friendships that I need to um, start and work on. And so my rave song is definitely a good friend song. It's I Got You by Ricardo Drew. I got you, cause you's my friend. Your pain is my pain. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. That's what friendship should be. You know, just you can't be friends with someone and not be sensitive to their experiences. You can't have your one black friend and not think about what they go through on a daily basis and be sensitive to that and understand that, you know, you still have to have their back. And we are seeing that around the world. We are seeing people who are not black getting into the streets and saying, I got you. We're in this together. I love the movement. I want to know, what are you doing? Are you going to protest with your friends? 
Are you sitting down and talking to your friends or, or over Zoom, over the phone? What, what are you guys doing with your friends in this crazy moment? Absolutely. Make sure you drop a comment, let us know what you think, but also make sure you are following us because we're going to have so much more. Follow Soka Say So on all social media or go to SokaSaySo.com. Follow this chick on all social media or go to D-Y-S-C-H-I-C-K.com. Guys, I can't wait for you to see the rest of the series. Oh my goodness. It's going to be so dope. Just a preview. We have another perspective from somebody who is not white from Portugal and that will be releasing later. I'm so excited. That will be eye-opening. That will that will be interesting. Can't wait. Make sure you tune in. Subscribe. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Okay, bye. <laughs>